Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. Uh, if I put all the creative energy and all the care and all the love and passion that I have for this industry and for F&B just into making sure that you have the best possible drink experience and the bar doesn't exist before we show up and it doesn't exist after we break down, it's only for that one moment. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. On today's show, we chat with Matt Landis, founder of Cocktail Academy, a branding and events company reinventing itself for a post-pandemic world. From running underground event spaces to virtual happy hours, Matt Landis has lived on the bleeding edge of what's next within our industry. Today, he shares the ups, downs, and lessons learned on his journey to creating, running, and now saving a multi-million dollar events company. Imagine if you went to like a super ultra curated underground cocktail party, like the most phenomenal cocktail experience possible. And I see, I'm walking around. I basically spent like every day down there for like a month. I see this loft with a rolling, with a roll door that used to be a loading dock. Mm -hmm. And I take a look in there and I call Matt Winter, who designed 41 Ocean, who's like obviously a prolific restaurant designer now. Said, Matt, like, what would you do at this place? And he's like, Jumanji. And I'm like, what do you mean Jumanji? He's like, I put grow lights and literally grow plants inside. And we'll put a fake wall up that looks like the outside of a house. And it will feel like you won't know if you're inside or outside. And it'll be the ultimate drinking den. Everyone will drink on the patio. And I was like, if the name of the company is Academy, because now I'm stuck on a cocktail academy, then this will be apartment A. And it started with, what can I do for 25 grand? Ended up with, what can I do for 85 grand? Because I couldn't stop. Right. You know that passion. Oh, when yeah, you start absolutely. seeing what it can look like and what the, what the experience could feel like, you're like, but the glassware, but the bar, but the cart, but the couch, but the thing. But now we need the rug because your feet need to be comfortable. And in the kitchen, <laughs> we need the... And I think it was our first party we did was January 1st, 2014. We did a... Or uh, December 31st, we did a New Year's party. And it started with the premise invite only doors open at eight pairing um three different cocktails course through the evening food paired music paired ambiance paired and right right away brands started wanting to partner to be the spirit on the night and we would do that for whiskey for tequila for gin for cognac cigars and slippers and just kind of created this thing that started being, how can we tell more of a story with your spirit? And looking back, you know, I didn't know who, I didn't know what Casamigos was. I knew Randy Gerber had a spirit called Caliche Rum, and then he had a tequila called Casamigos. And there was a guy named Octavio who had a pop-up called Ceviche Project. And he said, I want to do brunch series in here. And I have a liquor partner I want to bring in. Casamigos, which started a relationship with them that we've had forever. 
And then we started pairing cocktails to food. And Where then, were you producing the food? Were you actually producing the food at Apartment A? Yeah, so there was a kitchen which we divided. So Apartment A was just a 1,300 square foot loft mm-hmm. with brick walls, and it was not licensed. It was there was uh, Pace Web, a caterer, lived upstairs. Mm-hmm. So she kind of like understood what we were doing and hustling. And I think the best idea of what we were doing in my head to me was like, we're going to create a name for ourselves, And if we make no money, this will be an amazing PR stunt. But if we make money, we can make $20,000 a month. Yeah. And I was like, that would be crazy. <laughs> Never made $20,000 a month. But um yeah, I thought it'd be crazy, man. And how long did you guys run that? We ran apartment A to about 2015. So we had like a year of kind of like just a lot of excitement and people and stories and top five things to do in LA this summer is have a party at apartment A and we did weddings in the space and mm-hmm. uh, Golden State of cocktail things. And very quickly it became. This is amazing. We're opening a bar in Cincinnati. Can you create a concept for us? This is amazing. You know, Colina at the Four Seasons is stale. Can you create a cocktail program? This is amazing, but you're limited by the space. Will you do our party outside of the space? And that's kind of where the event activation, cocktail catering component came on because it was like, this space is amazing, but can't you do this somewhere else? Yeah. And uh, before you know it, like we were a little too big. The police, the ABC knew about us. City knew about us. I finally, we got broken in like the vice blew in during like a women's real estate cocktail party. Oh God. And I was like, I have big dreams. Like I want to be a, I want to own bars. I want to do all these things and I don't want to be blackballed by the city. Mm-hmm. So it's like shut her down and let's commit a hundred percent to going, you know, into the marketplace as the premier at the first, the first vision was the premier cocktail cater in the world. That was what my brain said. I always, always go big. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What does the bar look like if you're the best in the world at something? And I kept hearing, you know, early on, like at the beginning, I tried to be the best at it. I tried to do everything. Like it was so exciting. That space gave me so many ideas. And Josh, I'm sure you can relate to this. Like, why isn't there a cocktail magazine? We should do that with Life and Time. Why isn't there, um, like, people should be popping up restaurants in restaurant spaces while they're for lease? We should do that. We did El Chavo. People should be, you know, um, we should help brands accelerate them and tell them what to do. We should do that. And the truth is, is like we were three people who had never ran a business before. You know, it's kind of like what Alex was talking about when they were just serving drinks any way they could and had no idea what the cost of goods were. Mm -hmm. I was just like, let's do it and worry about it later over and over and over. and. I wasn't making any money. Apartment A was amazing, but it is now from 2014 to 2015. I haven't made a dollar. Right. 
anything we did, I respent into a new idea. Partners are getting frustrated because they're like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And I don't. I just kept hearing that thing like, what if you just did one thing really well? I really sat down and was like, what is the one thing I can do really well? And I was like this, you know, this cocktail catering thing. I, if I put all the creative energy and all the care and all the love and passion that I have for this industry and for F&B, just into making sure that you have the best possible drink experience and the bar doesn't exist before we show up and it doesn't exist after we break down. It's only for that one moment, which is the difference between me and a, and a bar operator is like, it's a parking lot when we show up. During the event, we transport people to whatever the fuck it is. And then we tear down and it's a parking lot again. And I was just like, what if we just focus on that? And that was in 2016 when I really started to focus on it. And uh, you know what happens when you finally focus on something? <laughs> a paycheck appears. <laughs> <laughs> Clients like actually get blown away and they don't come one time. They start coming consistently. Right. And people who are really talented get drawn in and they want to work with you. And you're not spending all of the money you're making on the next idea. On the next idea, which um, was a really great, uh, someone told me that term scope creep. I, I don't know. Like, but... It's basically like when a sharpshooter is looking down the barrel, mm -hmm. you develop scope creep at a certain point and you can't focus. So you see, if you see one other thing besides what you're shooting, it's really hard to get back to that one thing. Mm. So it's like companies all the time creep into areas that they shouldn't, their vision gets whatever. So I started saying scope creep is the enemy. Mm -hmm. Like I can't do it anymore. And, um, I don't know. I mean, there's so many ways to go. I'll let you kind of like, at this point, I think where we are is like from 2016 on, I'm here. Now it's coronavirus. I don't know what the fuck is going. I'll explain what we've tried to do then, but like. I want to unpack Cocktail Academy just, just a bit more. So okay. uh, you create this company. Uh, you are, it's 2020 now. So you are five years old, six years old. Uh, and yeah, you, six you've years old. And you've carved out a niche uh, by focusing on two elements, events and uh, consulting. Correct. And, and so you now find yourself in a position where you've built this huge company, this behemoth company, this hospitality services company that focuses on this underserved niche um, and coronavirus hits, right? So... Talk to me about that moment, that day when you realized that things were changing and that things were going to have to change and what your strategy was to get you to where you are today. We just came off our best year, the best year over year growth. Hadn't even finalized the P&L for 2019, making crazy projections as we were trying to really expand this brand strategy, kind of consulting part of the business, as well as the hospitality application of certain cocktail experiences. And if you were to look at like our whiteboard, it was fully leveraged into like in-person, tactile, how does it make you feel experiences. It first starts with, this is what's happening. 
And I think we were, we were poised. We were all ramped up and literally had boots on the ground in Miami. Well, no, the first thing happened with South by Southwest, right? That was the first fallout. Mm-hmm. It was our first year that we had booked a gig at South by Southwest with a really big client. And we're, we're so excited. And all of a sudden, we find out that our client's pulling out before anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? It was a huge amount of money. And I was nervous, but I said, okay, but that doesn't throw us off last year because that was unexpected. Then I have boots in the ground in Florida for the, the, ML, the MLS team that David Beckham bought. He's got an alignment with um, Hague Club Whiskey. And we had just kind of launched a satellite office down there. And we were going like all week, all events, all day for Hague Club. And we get the call that like, we think it might be postponed. And that's when I started like, what is going on? And people are like, Coachella's not going to happen. Right away, what I could tell people business-wise was all the noise and all the panic, like everyone was having that. So I called an emergency financial meeting with my director of operations and my bookkeeper. And I said, if we don't bring in $1 of business, where is our cash flow today? And how long can we float with every person on this company on board? Because I don't want to make a decision right now based off of fear because I've never been here before. I've also experienced a tremendous amount of pain and loss and excitement and tear down over the last six years of trying to run a hospitality company, which, you know, you're only as good as your last dish. So it's like every day you're the best, you're the worst, you're the best, you're the worst. (laughs) And I saw that we had about two month runway if we froze everything and that calmed us. So I quickly said, we need to deal with all of the cancellations, deposits, clean those things up. That took time, which, you know, then it was emergency kind of vision meeting with our coach. We run an EOS program and was like, we had just redefined our core values and our niche was that, you know, we basically tell stories through cocktails, right? We introduce people to spirits through cocktails and the story can either be the brand strategy and the creative serves, or it can be the actual story of your party that we create through the bar, the activation. So we can teach you how to do it. We can do it for you. And we started to think, how can we still give people experiences that are valuable and right as those conversations started happening, the Zoom happy hour started happening. Everyone was drinking, notice you're drinking more. And it's like, people are looking for recipes. And I said, well, the bartender community is hurting more than anyone else. We've got two months of runway. The average bartender has nothing. So we pivoted into a tip for a tip, which was basically we have a 75,000 person Instagram following. And if it has any value to anyone, I want bartenders to be able to value it get value out of it. So we started a promo where you put your picture up in a recipe, send us a picture, a recipe, you'll put your Venmo up and you can make tips on your recipe. So it was like, take care of social, like social conscience engagement. People are hurting. First thing we need to do. Next thing I want to give people something like an experience to have at home. Let's launch this series called night school. So every, I'm not very in front of my business in terms of the actual bartending because yes, I've learned through my team like amazing things, right? Like I've learned the family that cocktails through Brandon and Sam Ross and Milk and Honey. Like 
I have that down and I love it. And it's like makes cocktails easy, but unless I share it, it's of no use during this time. So I started night school every Thursday, just talked about a topic, fun and, and topical and easy. We started just to think about like, what if we built a cocktail experience in a box? And yes, cocktail career does it and people like that, but we don't do direct to consumer. We find clients who are also trying to create an experience for multiple people and we create what the best experience would be. So they're not cheap, but they're totally curated, 100% customized and tell the exact story. So think of it as like bar in a box, experience in a box, tastings, whatever, and then pair them with a Zoom instructor. So our corporate clients started saying, we've got a digital streaming event happening. And we would go into the warehouse in the same way we'd prep for an event, we'd prep boxes. Our, our graphic design team would be making labels, recipe cards, packets, bottle labels, all these different things. We'd be juicing the same production team that was worried about loading out of spaces is now worried about shipping and shipping times. The graphic designers that were working on menus or like activation blueprints were now designing boxes. And we said it might be pennies on the dollar, but like Right now, we don't know how long this is going to last, and we have to have offerings for our clients. And that was one thing that started. And we continued to we continued to try to sell premium in your space experiences that can be delivered to you. So it's basically like Cocktail Academy at home, and we came up with an acronym called CARE. So Cocktail Academy Ready Made Experiences. That $20,000 float, we're still floating. This happened March, April, we're in May. Mm -hmm. And we've got about close to what we had before. So how I look at it is I'm trying to increase the runway and the float. And while we do this, new things have came up in our mind, right? Like, wait a second. Wouldn't people want to make cocktails at home anyway with instruction? can we make it more available to our clients so that they can send out these types of experiences? What does a bar look like when this reopens partially? People want to get together, but they don't want a bartender breathing all over their stuff. Right. So it's like, well, the same creative solution that we think of before. I mean, we thought of something called like the bodega bar, which is basically we set up a bunch of mini fridges that are cute as fuck, like those old school style on different table elevations, create a mini markets with like, four different types of bottled cocktails and attendant who refills everything and sets up the garnish. Um, you know, uh, kind of like those picture walls at amusement parks where mm-hmm. it's like a bodybuilder and you stick your head in mm-hmm. like where it's bartenders, or there's a hole and the bartenders work behind it and they hand the cocktail through where the bartender's hand is. And you know, it's a daiquiri bar, like cocktails, man, like as long as it's fun, and you feel entertained and there's a way that you can drink with your eyes, you know, like there's a story we can tell and there's a way we can activate. Um, That's kind of, that's what we've been doing. I will be honest, like a lot of like the big brand plays on our consulting end, those budgets got wiped. Yeah, yeah. Because all their energy is trying to influence in accounts and bars and restaurants and what they're going to be serving and how they're going to be serving it. 
And now when everyone's buying their alcohol from retail, there's only so much you can do. So I guess what we've been doing that's been successful is giving basically people this virtual third-party experience that gives the retail a little, sorry, give, yeah, gives the retail a little bit more flavor. I would say flavor and, I mean, I keep saying story, but. Well, but that's the focus like, is storytelling. Story? Uh, that's really, that's what it is. People, what I learned very early about Cocktail Academy is I don't need to make the most difficult cocktail that's very confusing. What we need to do is we need to deliver a cocktail that has the perfect amount of everything. It needs to be balanced. The glassware needs to be great. The bar needs to be organized and clean because it's a consistent experience that allows people to know what they're getting from the brand. It's been branded in. And with the name Cocktail Academy, you can't not get the basics right. So we're constantly just talking about the ABCs. Well, let's take um, it to a human level for just a minute. Yeah. You know, for me personally, I've got a bunch of like really exciting things going on. This podcast is one of them, but, you know, kind of like we had talked about earlier, all of these different opportunities are presenting themselves. Plus, I, I'm creating all of these opportunities as, as well. But as I was telling my wife recently, what I wish is, I wish that there wasn't this undercurrent of fear through, through everything I'm doing. There, there's this undercurrent of fear because I'm afraid because I'm just a person in an in, in industry that has been incredibly damaged by a global pandemic. But I still have to pay my bills. I have a two-year-old daughter and I spend as much time focusing on the next stages of my career as I do focusing on managing my own fear and anxiety relative to this this really extreme situation. And I'm wondering, like, are you fearful? And if so, how do you manage that fear? Josh, like, I just related to everything you said. You know, I have a wife who's seven and a half months pregnant. You know, this was supposed to be a time where, like, I kind of could count on what I built to, like, at least not be in full financial panic. You know, the days where we did financial planning in the beginning was calm. And... I would say that I oscillate like between this is exciting because when you're in hospitality, it's almost like a disease, right? We're addicted to be like, let's fix it. What's the problem? What's the solution? Like, what's the solution? How we can solve it to like total exhaustion and like not wanting to not wanting to open the computer because I have to like face it. I will tell you, like, sometimes I'm scared of my own ideas. And I, you have to be able to relate to this because you know if it's good enough, you're going to have to do it. And you know how much time and energy it's going to take. And you have no idea if it's going to work out with, within the current economy because you've never been here before. But, like, the option is kind of like... You know, what's the saying? I said this to someone yesterday, that something or die trying. Mm -hmm. What is it? It's like, um, like take out, like fucking make it happen or die trying. Mm -hmm. And that's really, that's really been it for me is, will I feel better if I tried? 
what is actually urgent today? Because that undercurrent of urgent panic permeates unless I literally meditate and ground myself in the morning and write down what am I responsible for in terms of ongoing client um, responsibility? What do I owe my team today? And I want to take care of that first. And then make sure that I have time for like at least an hour for those projects that are, you know, are definitely going to come up every day that I have to take action on and only I can take action on because as the owner of the business and kind of the visionary person, I have to get an idea out onto paper in a certain way before I can even introduce it to anyone because then it's a waste of everybody's time. Right. We also have had to put into place Wellness Wednesday. We don't follow it exactly, but we realize that if we go all out on Monday, all out on Tuesday, because every call is about a new type of thing to sell, like every day I'm trying to sell a new version of what cocktails look like in this mm-hmm. new world, a team of mud mouth, cement brain, dead people on Zoom looking at each other and knowing, going saying like, what are we going to say? Like, we can't do it anymore. So I say take Wednesday off to like fulfill yourself and get well and come back on Thursday. The truth is, is you only can really be efficient in this pandemic, like three and a half days a week, because the mental, the subconscious spinning of what's going to happen next, is it all gone? When are we going to actually be able to do an event? Is someone going to beat us to the next idea first? Right. Uh, Josh, have people been telling you it's the great equalizer? Everybody's back on square one. I have said it. I I have said it myself. I'm a huge believer. And as an entrepreneur, as a restaurateur, I'm like, shit, is that good news? But as an entrepreneur, it it puts us in a wonderful place, right? Billionaires are millionaires. Millionaires are hundred thousandaires. Hundred thousandaires are broke. And so this is a great equalizer in the way that we're all back to zero and we do have the opportunity to create what the world looks like moving forward, especially in hospitality because the system was so broken to begin with, you know, and I, there are I, things I, I, hear you. I love your optimism because, <laughs> and I, I watched some of your clips where you said this, but there's such a responsibility in the hospitality space to be like a creative leader, right? Like in my particular niche space, which I don't want anyone, when you say like super uber successful, yeah. Like coming from apartment A and making up this thing called like creative serve experiences. Yes, I have accomplished goals and achieved things that I'm really proud of myself about. And New York, I'm very proud about national capabilities. But like, I wasn't there there. And now I'm like, oh, shoot. Do I want to do this if it doesn't look like what I was trying to do before? Yeah. Like, do you have to ask yourself, do, yes, do I think I, do I have that, do I have that almost entrepreneurial disorder where my brain simplifies everything to the point where there's no fear in taking the initial action, getting a business plan out, getting a brand deck, getting the branding ready, selling it and telling a million different people. But like, then do I want to do the work afterwards and spend the money? 
So yes, Josh, I could sit with you all day and think, and I would be in heaven if we just came up with what's the new restaurant concept and what does that look like if everything's <laughs> virtual now and we don't need storefronts because it's all delivery and what if cocktails move to like now with these new rules to like food trucks, but like they're cocktail bars on wheels. Like, should I buy one? Should I buy three? Should I buy this? <laughs> and by the end of like an actual even 30 second, three minute session, I need to take a break. Yeah. yeah. I like have to go breathe. I'm tired because I just thought about it. And that's what I mean. Like when we're all back to zero, we're all kind of going, okay, which one do we pull the trigger on? And which one is that spaghetti that's going to stick on the wall? And if I throw the wrong spaghetti, will I lose my place in the pecking order? Will my clients jump to a new client? Well, I kind of answer my own question too, but go with what you were going to say. I was going to say, you know, I do think that there's a lot of opportunity out there. And I do think for you specifically, there's a lot of opportunity out there, especially when you look at like one thing that is, that is a new opportunity um, that I don't believe is going away, which is cocktails to go. I think that is a huge opportunity for you, what you guys do. Um, and, and I don't think it's going anywhere. I don't think the American public is willing to give that up after getting a taste of it. So I will tell you, the concept is called the Lost Parrot, and it's a tiki to go concept. And it didn't come up because I was thinking about what I needed to do. It came up how most ideas come up for me, which is like a solution for someone else because I'm so other minded in that way. I was listening to my business partner, uh, Justin, who has the Lost Parrot Cafe. He also is my partner who does all my prep production through his back end company, Independent Beverage and warehousing in Pasadena. And um, I was saying, how are you getting people to work and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what we should do? Or you know what you should do? And I'll do it for you is like, you should do like a tiki delivery. (laughs) Use the name Lost Parrot and do like tiki delivery. And he's like, what would that look like? And I was like, oh, I remembered I'm the creative one. So I'm like, this is the deal. I'll just like, I'll have my design team like mock up like a quick thing and like, it would be no big deal. And he's like, all right. I was like, yeah, let me just like put some creative on paper. Sure enough, a day later, I'm on my design team. We've got a full branding deck of this thing. And it's going to be in these little lunch boxes that are insulated. And you're going to get the little tiki mugs. And then you're going to get 16 ounces of beverage. And you're going to get garnishes. You're going to get swizzle sticks. And it's going to be every Tiki Tuesday delivery. And then Friday, Saturday delivery. LA, pickup. I'm like, I want a splash page. Then I said to Justin, wouldn't it be great if we had a truck? And he's like, so funny you say that. I'm actually going to look at a, uh, uh, an old shorty ice cream truck today. I'm like, send me pictures. Send me pictures. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, we need to brand it. And we need to do the deliveries from the Tiki truck. I just like the idea. I just kept getting cuter and cuter. And what are the cocktails going to be? And what's the group serve? And the group serve, you should get a conch shell and you get the conch shell and you get this. And then what about swag? And what about shirts? What about prints? What about hats? And then I'm on the call with my team, uh, my event team and my New York team is like, why can't we launch the Lost Parrot in New York? Thought about it. I was like, well, the concept's all virtual. We have a prep center and everything. We just don't have the truck. But who cares about the truck in New York? No one cares about a truck in New York. They care about it being delivered. Right. And they're like, we're ready to go. I was like, all right, so we'll do it in New York. And then my graphic designer, I was like, 
She's like, we should do it in Salvador. I was like, do people buy it in Salvador? Yeah. And then she's like, what about Pablo in Guatemala? I'm like, what about Guatemala? We should do it in Guatemala. And it started to become like, once it exists virtually, the bar is in your heart and it is in your mind. Right. And the way that we deliver the cocktail, because cocktail academy, you think about those little details, it's going to come to you in a way where the party is in the ba- is in the bag. It's a party in a bag. It's a mm. bar in a bag. The spinoffs are endless. The brand is funny. The parrot is lost. So the marketing campaign of like, where's the parrot wanted signs everywhere, guerrilla marketing. And when we find the bar, say down the line, it won't be called the lost parrot. It'll be called the parrot. Mm-hmm. And then it drives everybody home. We found the parrot and the parrot can pop up wherever the fuck it does. And if events come back to normal, it's another offering for Cocktail Academy catering clients. They can hire the lost parrot to show up at their party. That's Matt Landis, founder of Cocktail Academy. To see their upcoming projects, visit cocktailacademy.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L dot com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.